I love the testimony that you heard from the missionary to Estonia on the video because there were two dynamics working in that young man's life that are notable for today. One is he met this guy who God used to speak into his heart through small group, and that was associated with his uh, missionary group with Estonia. And then the two of them got together, and what did they do when they got together? They studied the scripture together, didn't they? So together they sought out God's voice, and just the two of them heard the voice of God speaking into their lives. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we dive in. Before we do that today, in this second installment, I'd ask you to bow your heads and pray with me, and then we'll open up the scriptures together here. Uh, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the fellowship that you've gathered here today. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of little Ellie's baptism in a few minutes. Thank you for the fact that you are the one who comes and works uh, in our lives and through our lives. Thank you that we don't have to be perfect in your sight because we have one who has gone before us and takes care of that business. And his name is Jesus. He is our home. And wherever he goes, we go. We follow him by the power of his Holy Spirit. So today, God, I ask especially that you bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts as we are open to what you have to say to us through your word and through the fellowship that is gathered here today. In your name we pray and together we say amen and amen. And amen simply means I agree with that. And so we say that together, I agree. I want to pull back up a section of the scripture that Linda would have read a couple of minutes ago and just highlight a piece of it with you. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 3 says, he appointed 12 that they might what? Be with him. Now what we're going to explore the idea today is the idea today that we have a God who is with us. We don't have a God who is separate from us and far removed from us that we can't touch and who cannot touch us because of our behaviors or our thoughts, what the old words say, thoughts, words, and deeds. We don't have a God who is separate from us and untouchable. We have a God who comes close. He comes near. And the scripture even says that as we bind together in Jesus' name, he is not that far from any one of us. That means he's there to be called upon. When we reach our hands out to him, we realize and understand in truth that he has actually already reached his hand down to us. And we're simply receiving the good news of Jesus in his hand as he shared it with us. That is the truth of how Jesus works. Jesus works in friendship. Jesus works in relationship. He works in gatherings of people together. And what we as a culture have found the temptation to do is to believe the idea that religion is somehow an individual enterprise, that my religion is somehow up to me, and that I am responsible for whether or not I choose to participate in a religion, and that somehow that's an individual choice that I will bear the consequences or responsibilities of. But the good news, friends in the room today, whether we've never met before or we know each other for years, the good news in the room today is that that's not how the Christianity who Jesus started works whatsoever. The Christianity Jesus started by being Jesus is one in which we work together in the Holy Spirit in groups, in teams, in couplets, in gatherings, 
We don't have a faith that is separate from us or outside of us. We have a faith that works in community. And that faith has always been an act of community from the very beginning. And that's good news because what you find is as you get in and you start to actually pragmatically follow Jesus in the real world, who you can't see in visible form, right? You follow him in faith. You actually can see your brothers and sisters in the faith who are following him too. And those people are physical. And those people are with you. And those people will be with you when times are hard and when times are good. They are your faith family. The gathering that is here in this room, again, whether you've been here for years in friendship, in relationship, or meeting together for the first time, we are all under the umbrella, the auspices of the good news of Jesus. Jesus died for you and for me and conquered death and rose again from the grave for you and for me. And having this in common breaks through all kinds of social barriers and brings us together as one faith family. And we're gonna talk about how that kind of manifests itself a little bit today. What I wanna share with you, if you've got your smartphone open to you version or another Bible version, or if you've got a paper Bible, is a story of the vine and branches. And you find this in John chapter 15. This is one of those four gospels that Linda referred to a couple of minutes ago. I just wanna read this for you straight out of the scripture. It says, I am the vine, by the way, Jesus is talking here. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what? Disciples. Now that's the reason why we're having this series called Follow, is we're actually digging deep into the scripture, trying to discern what it is a disciple of Jesus is and what it means to be one. And in a nutshell, what it looks like is this. A disciple is one who follows Jesus and is used by God to help other people do what? The same. So in other words, disciples of Jesus are ones who will produce more disciples of Jesus, not by having a program that they're trying to sell or a religious product that they're trying to pawn, but simply by being a person who follows Jesus in the real world together with others and shares that community of faith, the love that is shared at this level, the pragmatic level where we can see each other and experience that, share that with other people who don't have that in their lives. That is the good news of Jesus, that you are not alone, that God loves you, and he did everything that was required to bring you into his presence, into his family. You don't need to perform for that. Someone has already done that for you. And what's his name? Jesus. See, here's the idea with the vine and the branches. How many, uh, how many farmers do we have in the room? Just go ahead and throw your hand up. Any farmers? 
I don't see any farmers in the room. And by the way, that was a trick question because I wasn't expecting any of you to be farmers. But if you were, and if you did uh, say grapes on your farm, you might be familiar with the concept of the vine and the branches or what farmers might call them a shoots. A branch is actually called a shoot. And in a shoot, there are two or three different parts. There's a leaf, you know, that connects with the sun and, uh, and the water and the rain and photosynthesis and all that good science. And then there's the shoot itself, what's called the branch. And then the end of the branch is what's called a tendril. Now, tendrils are cool because they're the end of the branch. It kind of reaches out like a finger and the tendril wraps itself around stuff that's around the branch. See, the branch, the shoot is not actually the vine itself. The shoot is something that comes from the vine. And the shoot comes out and with its little tendril, it wraps around the environment that's right around it, which strengthens it so that when it bears fruit, the fruit doesn't do what? Fall to the earth and die. So what you find is, is the mechanics of branching out of the vine are that the branch reaches out and the tendril wraps itself into the environment around it, becomes intricately involved in the environment around it, and establishes a grab there, a stronghold, so that the fruit that is born is able to be nourished by the branch and coming from the vine, live and grow into actual grapes. If you look at that image up there on the screen, you can kind of see the bits and, and pieces of that shoot coming out of the vine, which is that brown sort of log looking structure there at the bottom. The, the vine is kind of like the trunk of the tree when it comes to farming grapes. But what you find here is a dynamic that is really powerful, and I'd like to call it the dynamic of y'all. I wanna call it the power of y'all. When's the last time you ever used the word y'all in a sentence and had a straight face? Y'all's a good word. It sums up a lot. Down south where I grew up, when you say y'all, y'all means something. It's got community behind it. It's got the power of relationship behind it. And I want to demonstrate that to you a little bit in the scripture this morning. See, I took the liberty of taking the word y'all and imposing it upon John chapter 15 so that it would make more sense. And here's the reason why. I'm not smarter than the writer of the scriptures. I just think this is cool. And here's the reason why we did this. Because some of the yous in this passage are plural. Now let that sink in for a minute. The yous that we're going to read about here are plural. That means more than just us, right? And there's one passage in the middle that talks to people who try to do it alone. Let's read this again. Ready? I am the vine. Y'all are the branches. If y'all remain in me and I in you, then y'all will bear much fruit. Apart from me, y'all can do nothing. Now here's where it switches. This gets interesting. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. These branches are separated from what gives them life. So when they hit the ground, what do they do? They die. The vine doesn't kill them. The farmer doesn't kill them. When they are separated from the vine, they die by nature. They are dead in their trespasses and sins and they need someone to come and save them. So here's what happens. If y'all 
remain in me and my words remain in y'all. Ask whatever y'all wish and it will be done for y'all. Not it will be contemplated and maybe by a vote of angels versus demons, it will be rendered to you. It will be done for y'all as a community. This is to my Father's glory that y'all bear much fruit. Not one individual person trying to be out there being a religious superstar, but a family of weaklings who are saved by a powerful and glorious God. I don't know about you, but this does my heart good because I'm not out there on my own. I have a y'all. Now let me ask you a question. Do you have a y'all? Do you have one? This is to my father's glory that y'all bear much fruit, the scripture says, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This idea of separating oneself is a dangerous business. Don't fall to the trap of trying to be your own God. Don't fall to the trap of trying to do life alone. You were not meant to live that way. You were not meant to be separate from God. That is why God sent his son. And that is why God drew you here today. And that is why God draws you into small group. And that is why God draws you together with another person to discuss his word over lunch, over coffee. Yes, even over a frothy beer. It's all good and it's all God working in the power of y'all. Do you have a y'all? Do you have one who can be with you and work with you and serve with you and live with you and strengthen you for bearing fruit? Now, what is this bearing of fruit that we're talking about? In our language, it's reproducing ourselves in the faith. It's sharing our faith with someone else so that someone else can hear the good news of y'all. That you are not alone. You have a God who loves you. The reason that Jesus sent these people out was to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And if you look at the whole council of scripture and look at what some of the disciples tried to do on their own power, you'll see that some of them got their heinies kicked by diamonds, by demons, by trying to exercise the power of God under their own power. But when they were connected together in the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent them out with authority, not their own power and authority, but his power and authority. And in doing that, they were able to conquer demons and to have authority to preach the good news of Jesus. This is the way Jesus operates. He takes you and me wherever we are in life. He binds us together. He prepares us and pulls us together by his power, by the Holy Spirit. And then he sends us out into the world to form these groups. If you're a, a tennis fan, you'll notice the image on the screen is one of James Blake, who's uh, recently retired. And James Blake has uh, just been in the news in the past few weeks, months, uh, for having experience being tackled. Now, in tennis, you don't often get tackled, do you? Tennis is an individual sport. Now, you can play tennis in couples, 
But most times, you know, stars like James Blake play alone. They're solitary uh, individuals out there on the court, uh, athletes playing the sport, right? They are not trained or prepared or equipped to be tackled. So this is what happened to James Blake. He was actually mistaken as a credit card thief, uh, a credit uh, uh, a credit card uh, fraudulent um, thief out there in the in the market. He was tackled by a, a detective in New York City recently while he was waiting to get into a hotel. He was not expecting to be tackled, and when he was tackled, he did not resist. You can see him uh, there on the ground, basically not moving. And as the officer is taking his time to cuff him, uh, which, by the way, the detective did a brilliant job of doing that takedown, um, but he is not resisting or moving. And there are folks kind of walking by and looking at them on the ground and just thinking, hmm, and going on about their business. I guess in New York, this is an average everyday activity on the sidewalk. And so James is kind of being sat up and led away by the detective. But what you're going to find is James was not prepared or equipped to be tackled that day in anywhere near form Khalil Mack might be. So when Khalil Mack strips the ball from his opponent and starts to run, he's padded and he knows that somewhere along the way, unless he's blessed with a touchdown, he's going to get what? He's going to get tackled. He expects it. He's trained for it. He is padded and equipped for it. And he's got teammates around him who are supporting his move down the field toward the end zone to make that touchdown, not on his own power, but by the power of the team. You're looking at two very different athletic situations here. One in which an individual is not prepared or equipped to be tackled, and another in which an individual is trained and expecting it. You see, that's the beauty of y'all. It's when life brings you a tackle, in the y'all, you are prepared. You are equipped. You're ready. And when you strip the ball from the enemy and share the good news of Jesus with someone who's never heard it before, you're prepared for opposition, aren't you? You're strengthened. You've got people you can call. You've got people you could text. You got people you can have lunch with, reach out to and support you and bring you in because God has always intended from the beginning to work together with you and your people in community. He never, ever, ever intended for you to go it alone. And I don't know about you, but that is good news to me. I love that idea. I don't know if you've ever seen this graphic before, and if you're listening by podcast, you've got a graphic of life priorities that some in the church have established. God first, family second, and work third. And the teaching has often been that if you get these confused, then life kind of gets out of whack, right? Like if your work is more important to you than your family, what happens to your family? Well, your family gets neglected and they don't get as much of you as they need, right? Or if your family is more important than God, then family becomes your God. If you worship and prioritize the things of your family, the things your family's involved in more than the things of God, then effectively what's happening is family is your God. Family is your God. Sometimes work can become your God. 
But what we're saying here today is quite simply, this is a, a, this is a lot true. There's a lot of truth in this. But what we're saying here is that God works in every avenue of your life. God is not a separate enterprise, like a hobby. God is family. It's your people. It's the people that you know and trust and hang out with, like in a small group, like at the McCaskill house on Tuesday nights, or at the patio on Mondays, or at the tech. Or it's someone that you engage in scripture with who shares the faith with you. Or it's the people that you haven't shared your faith with yet, but who are friends of yours, who need the good news of Jesus, and will use an average everyday person like you and me to share that good news when the time is right. See, there's a plan for your life. And it is not questionable, and it is not relative. It is absolute. The plan is that God loves you and has a purpose for you and has a design for your life that is irrefutable. No one can argue with the work of God in your life. No one can disprove what God is doing in you and through you. And when the time comes for you to share your faith verbally, just like the young man who's serving in Estonia, God will give you the power of his spirit to give you the right words to speak. And here's what those words look like. God loves me so much, I know he sent his son to die for me. But that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus conquered death for me so that I may never ever again have to experience death. Even though my body will die one day, my soul will live forever. And I have around me a family of people who love me and will love me no matter what. No matter how bad I am one day, no matter how good I am one day, whether I swear one day when I stump my toe or cut that guy off in traffic, whether I steal something and contemplate whether to give it back, whether I lie, fail, or fall, God loves me and his son Jesus goes before me. I merely need to follow him. This is the good news of Jesus. It's the good news that is shared in conversation and it will only come to the people God has put around you through you. You are the only one who can do you. You are the only one who God can use to speak through you. Sounds obvious, but it's true. That is God's plan for your life. It is the power of y'all, your community, your people. So the question for us all in this room today is, who is your y'all? If you need a y'all, we are here. If you're ready for a y'all, we will be with you. And together we will be all y'all. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your power. Thank you so much for your glory. Thank you for 
knitting me together into a group of people, a family of people who will love me no matter what. Thank you for every time I fall, there's a y'all. A y'all to be around me, to support me, to lift me back up, to set me back on the path, not to blaze a trail, but to walk it in faith and in love and in response to you. Thank you for giving me a community. God, wipe away my sin, even if it's for the first time. I've never experienced being in your presence before or acknowledging it. And I want to share my sin with you. Place it on your son on the cross so that he might die there and take it away and wipe it away. Wipe the sentence of it and the consequence of it away in your sight as far as the east is from the west. Even if it's for the first time, I want to trust you in this. And then I want to take my first step following you. Thank you for putting a group of people around me who will love me no matter what. Let me trust you in them. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.